Welcome back to the School of Calisthenics podcast with Tim and Jacko. And today we have a fantastic guest with you, no other than Cy Monster himself, a.k.a. probably the best guy at calisthenics I think I've ever seen. But before we get stuck into the conversation with Cy Monster, we just wanted to tell you or remind you about the School of Calisthenics virtual classroom, which is now open. It's alive. It's buzzing. There's loads of people in the community and we have got so much content and information in there. You are going to love it. If you are looking to learn any calisthenics skill like your muscle-up, handstand, human flag, if you want to workouts programmed for you or you just want to get into the video library, it is all in there and you can find it on our website. Yeah, you might just be a beginner working towards your first push-up, pull-up or dip and that is all included in the beginner's class. So we've got these courses that you can follow through and there's hundreds of people in there now that are part of the community supporting each other to help them redefine they're impossible and me and Tim are in there alongside with you too so make sure you check out the virtual classroom if you haven't yet it's probably a really good step to becoming more like Simonster possibly yeah <laughs> in this in this podcast um it's it's great to hear from Simon exactly um where he's come from in his background but he gives out some great tips and advice that's very uh, no nonsense um he's a physio and it's also it's it's science based um advice and there's some real nuggets in there around how you can ensure that you or take some encouragement that you're probably on the right track um, but it's probably going to take you a little bit longer and we need to stay consistent with our training but you're going to get all of that inside the podcast it's an absolute cracker make sure you listen all the way to the end because he comes out with some gold right at the finish so sit back guys this is Sty Monster on the School of Calisthenics Playground Session so it is an absolute privilege for us to have the one and only Cy Monster on to the podcast. So Simon, welcome to the podcast. It's amazing to have you here. Thanks, guys. Pleasure to be here. And uh, so I'm sure everybody, um, we've had a lot of questions from people um, wanting to, to ask you certain things. Um, and everyone, is, 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 I'm sure, has come across you. But if there's one person listening now that maybe hasn't and doesn't know your background, or maybe some people don't know um, the entirety to your background, and they've seen the amazing things you could do. Could you? I saw a post that you put out on your birthday that said it was your 29th birthday and you'd, you'd said um, 20 years of sort of training experience. Could you give us a bit of a, just a background insight just to kick things off of like what has what are those tw- last 20 years um been like and just where, where where did this all start a lot of people have been asking like where did it start for you and how long and how hard has it taken you to get to the the point where you're at yeah no problem so i started um i started off with gymnastics my parents enrolled me in gymnastics when i was about 11 years old um through that i met a couple of friends who got me involved in in breakdancing there were some of the gymnastic coaches at at the local ymca who taught a breakdancing class there as well um, so I, there was a, a brief period where I was doing both. I much preferred the breakdancing. So I switched across to that after about a year and just solely pursued breakdancing. Um, but the calisthenics or body weight strength training remained a big part of my practice because I saw how applicable that was to gymnastics and how I thought it could help breakdancing. So I kept, kept up with that. Um, breakdancing was basically my main focus until I was about 18, started training with some circus people. Uh, started doing martial arts. I did, did quite a bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, which was a bit tough on the body and found I couldn't do <laughs> couldn't do everything at the level I wanted to do it. So I, I pushed that back and um, just continued with mostly breakdancing and calisthenics. And now that's those are my two main sort of disciplines. So so you're, def- 
as we speak to you, you're currently in Vegas, and you said you were, you were as part of a show. Is that what you're doing in, in Vegas at the moment? Is it using breakdancing as part of a performance? As, as a yeah, show? so yeah, so I dance in the show and do some acro. Um, yeah, so I've done some tricking with my training as well. So what I do in the show here is mostly breakdancing tricks, spinning on my head, a couple of calisthenics tricks, things like planche, handstands. Um, but yeah, Easy mostly dancing. Fight. <laughs> <laughs> so what inspires you mate because when, when i've seen some of the show reels and stuff that you've done before like incredible videos i love the way that you shoot them like the, i was watching the one of you in the boxing ring recently which is just unbelievable like really really great cinematography as well what inspires you now because some of the movements and things that you can do they're, they're not run-of-the-mill stuff and it's, it's really interesting to hear you say that you've you've done so much over your career which is probably create this really unique melting pot of how you see movement and how you want to move. Where do you kind of like, where have your inspirations come from in the past and, and what, what does that look like moving forwards? How do you at your level continue to, to sort of push yourself forwards and challenge yourself? Um, I think that just comes as you learn new skills. So often I'll learn something, I'll get an idea. And from that, um, I'll, <laughs> I'll try and take it to the next step. Um, but yeah, there's, there's no one thing that really inspires me. I think the main thing is just, wanting to work towards a skill, having a goal in mind and working really hard towards, towards getting it. I find yeah. that really rewarding and it's, um, yeah, something I enjoy doing. I think that's a really cool point because we have the same thing. Even at, we, we started as sort of like real beginners five years ago in calisthenics. We were decent strength training background. Jacko was a pro rugby player. I played rugby as well for, for a long time. So we'd, we'd had experience in the gym, but the focus was always towards a game outcome. So we were looking to perform on, on the pitch. And what calisthenics brought was exactly as you say, you've, you target a skill, you say, right, I want to be able to do a handstand. And you work towards it, you, you put the hours in, the time, you learn a lot along the way. And then there comes a day when you can do a handstand for the first time. And that thing that you thought was impossible, all of a sudden became a reality. And you, we, our strap lines redefine your impossible. And I think what's amazing and it's so encouraging for us and I'm sure a lot of people listening is that even when the process is the same, so regardless of whether someone's starting off and they want to do their first their first handstand, let's take that, or they want to do a back lever or even if it's just a first pull-up, the idea of going after that skill or that movement is still the same whether you are day one of your journey or sort of, like, as you say, 20 years in and, and really kind of look at the complexity of, of what it is. And I think that's it's such a great thing that, Bodyweight training and calisthenics allows us to do. As soon as we get one thing, there's always another thing waiting. And we're very fortunate we've got Simon Mon Simon Monster who can actually show us the way of what is actually possible if you want to go and take it to that top end level. Because again, like as Jacko said, some of the stuff that you can do, I look at and go, yeah, like amazing. So, very cool. <laughs> Thanks, we talk guys. about redefining impossible. Sometimes you like go. Yeah, like we like to try and encourage people to say like, you know, you know, that they're sort of nothing's impossible. But then I look at some of them and I go like, I'm quite happy to say I'm never going to be able to do that. Sorry. Yeah, but I, I totally agree with you there, Tim. So no matter what your level, whether it's learning your first handstand, trying to do your first pull up um, or learning one arm pull ups, one arm hand hops, planche, whatever it is. Um, it's the same process. So it's just systematic progressions towards a goal, lots of consistent hard work. Um, 20 years of doing this has taught me that there's there's no secret, there's no there's no other way yeah. around it. Yeah, yeah. What, for all those uh, different disciplines, you know, uh, breakdancing, gymnastics, jiu-jitsu, which one, if you had to sort of pick one of those or, or even if it's too hard to pick one, um, maybe one thing from each of those disciplines that you would say is the best thing from that in terms of how it's helped you i mean i've always um 
blame's the wrong word. My dad took me to rugby when I was like eight and I wish he took me to, to gymnastics as well as rugby because <laughs> yeah. I think that the, even though I don't, I don't have any, I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't mind that. I never played, I loved my rugby career and I didn't never wanted to do gymnastics, but I look back on it now and think, I can see the crossover of so much of, of what gymnastics would have taught me as a youngster, even if I'd just done it for a few years whilst I was young, of how that would have helped me. Some of those other disciplines as well, um, I'd love to have been. I think breakdancing is so cool. I remember, like, on you know, you see people um, doing it on the street and I'm like, uh, they're busking. I've been on holiday for my wife and just I've just sat there for hours just watching these guys. Like, I, I love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I think one thing that's really valuable with gymnastics is the focus they have on strength and conditioning. Um, so there's a lot of work on just basic calisthenic strength, getting a, a really good base, um, getting good neuromuscular control, good fundamental body weight strength, um, and good mobility. Um, one thing that I don't really like about gymnastics is the rigidity of it, how structured it is. You don't have much freedom to do what you want. So that's one thing I really like about breakdancing. Um, you can pretty much take that in whichever path you want to you want to so some people like to do more of the dancing aspect i like to do more of the the power moves and the tricks um can i can i swear on this podcast or is this a <laughs> go for it mate <laughs> and one thing i really like about um jiu-jitsu and martial arts is the no bullshit approach so if you train jiu-jitsu it's really humbling um yeah. the first time you go no matter how strong you are um you you're gonna get your butt kicked um so with with um, jujitsu, it's a it's really a focus of what is effective, what actually works, and that's one thing I like to apply to my training now. Is yeah. everything that you do should have a justification as to why you're doing it. You should be able to have some rationale behind your training techniques and and behind the positioning of your body. And I think that's one thing that um, jujitsu is great at: really breaking a skill down into its constituent parts, training those skills, and bringing them together to get the end result. Yeah, I want. I'd love to ask you a question, actually, Simon. We, I was having a com- conversation with my hairdresser the other day, like, and he's, uh, he's <laughs> you're great. He's, good. he's big in jujitsu, like okay. as he loves it, like it's like life for him. He's, he's um, and he was, but he's interested in calisthenics. And something that Jack and I have talked about before is what is the crossover from a sports perspective of calisthenics in terms of being able to create tension, understand the ability to connect sort of multiple joints. So. If you're going to do a human flag or, or something high sort of tension movement, you know how to connect your hip and your shoulder together. Have you found that having that sort of strength and awareness of your body and your ability to be able to create force has helped in your, your martial arts experience in jiu-jitsu? Yeah, so I, I don't do a lot of, I don't do any jiu-jitsu anymore actually, but when I was mm. training that, um, there's definitely some overlap between concepts. So I think the biggest one is the concept of leverage. You know, with a with a with any lever that you do, or as they say in the States, lever, um, if you're doing a human flag and, and the lever arm's shorter, um, it's it's obviously easier. And if you lengthen the lever arm, it's more difficult. So um, same thing with the front lever. If you're doing a, a tuck front lever, it's much easier than a full front lever. Um, that's one thing that um, one concept that jiu-jitsu utilizes a lot, you know, the concept of leverage. And that's what allows smaller people to dominate bigger people, things like an arm bar where you're yeah. – um, you're applying torque on a, on a fulcrum that's very hard to overcome. So it's, it, they both use biomechanic principles. Um, but other than that, I don't think there's a great deal of crossover. Yeah. Yeah. No, interesting. I just thought I'd throw that as a bit. I didn't have that written down, but yeah. it's, uh, it's an yeah. interesting it's, it's definitely helpful though. You know, in, in jujitsu, obviously you need to, um, 
you need to be able to control your own body. But the, the main focus is being able to control your body and control someone else's body, um, even yeah. when they're trying to resist that. Whereas with uh, a sport like calisthenics or, or bodyweight strength training, it's just it's just you. Mm. <laughs> no, you don't have anyone there trying to impose their will upon you when you're trying to do a front lever or a human flag. Yeah, maybe that'll take off one day, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the new idea. Didn't have that, that, that sport X-arm with the arm wrestling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a reactive nature, isn't there, that's more sport-related in that, in with your, 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 like you say, you're responding to somebody else and having to problem solve as you go. Whereas, um, I guess when you're practicing your calisthenics, you you decide where you put your hands. In exactly, your, it's a much more closed, closed sport. Skill. It's just you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wonder if there's some there's some value in that, just understanding the sense of joint position and where you are in space that would help. Because I guess if you're being wrapped up upside down and someone's trying to bend your arm or leg in, a, in an uncomfortable position, maybe having some of that kinesthetic awareness will, will just provide you with the. It's that sort of neuromuscular control in, in positions of instability, isn't it? I think that exactly. Yeah, would, but uh, it's um, that. yeah, it's it's a little bit different because jujitsu is trying to use these fundamentally weak positions where an arm's extended away from you, so you can. Um, you can use that to do a, a, a joint lock on somebody. Whereas in calisthenics, you're spending years and years over time trying to get strong in these fundamentally weak positions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. True. yeah, yeah. Do, uh, so Sam, the other thing I wanted to, to just touch on before we move into some uh, some other training aspects was around, um, so you're still, a, as well as you, you're doing shows in, in Vegas and whatnot, and, um, you're still practicing physiotherapy. Um, yeah. Was, I'm just interested to know, um, uh, did your training and what you know did you have a load of injuries when you were younger and that got you interested in physiotherapy or what what sort of brought you into physiotherapy and how has that helped you uh, either with your training or vice versa yeah so uh, when I was young growing up doing gymnastics and breakdancing I got a, a few injuries and I went to see a physiotherapist and he was great really helped get me back on track and I thought this is something I'd really like to do um, yeah I, I saw his understanding of anatomy, which I thought was incredible. I thought it'd be really helpful if you could know, you know, which muscles are working when you do which move and yeah. um, the safest safest way to go about something. So my um, my appeal towards physiotherapy was really a selfish approach to be able to, <laughs> to treat my own injuries and maximize yeah, my, yeah, my training. Case with quite a few. I know a friend of mine that did he he failed abysmally actually in this because he did too much too much fun whilst he was at uni. But it was he had the same thing. He'd like smashed his shoulder up playing rugby, and had a really good experience with a physio and and wanted to to sort of go down that path in, himself. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's what got me into physio, and then um, I really enjoyed studying physio, um, especially things like anatomy and physiology a lot more than. Um, than initially working as a physio, but I found that, um, you know, learning, learning these kind of evidence-based principles and exercise, um, exercise principles really helped with, with my training, you know, and, and having an understanding of which injuries or which, which, um, aches and pains you can push through, which aches and pains you should really, um, really leave alone or, or get assessed. Yeah. Those sorts of things really helped. Assuming that you feel that it then it's uh, it has been played quite a major role in how you've managed to develop the sort of the, the, yeah, the training and the skills that you've done, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really appreciative for doing that course, even if um obviously the the content taught in the physiotherapy degree is very relevant. Um, you get a great understanding of anatomy and physiology, but I think just giving you a way of um giving you an understanding of how to think, how to assess things rationally, how to go and look at evidence for something to find out what the best approach 
is. So taking all of that in um, in context, Simon, what what are some of the principles as you that you use as a, as a physiotherapist and also as somebody who's performing at a high level in, in calisthenics, bodyweight training, and breakdancing? How do you structure sort of that component of injury prevention? Sometimes people term it as prehab um, or movement preparation. Have you got any sort of like real sort of little things that you are non-negotiables in your program? How do you look after your body um, to, to do what you, 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 to train at the level that you currently perform at? Yeah, I think my, um, my recommendations are really simple. <laughs> so things like listen to your body. If something hurts, um, be mindful of that give it a rest. If it progresses back off, that's your body telling you don't do it. Um, I warm ups super important. Obviously, um, warm up should be targeted to whatever sport you do or whatever the individual session is. So unfortunately there's no, there's no one warm up I can give everyone. It should be structured yeah, yeah. towards the, the session and mine changes that's day to perfect. day. Yeah. Depending on whether I'm doing a, um, an upper body pulling session or a, a leg session or an upper body pushing session, they'll have different, different kind of warm ups. Um, but in addition to that, things like just building a, building a resilient body. So the, the stronger you are, the better neuromuscular control you have, the more mobile you are, the, the less risk of injury you're going to have. Yeah. Those are my sort of yeah, bread yeah. and butter recommendations yeah, for no, someone looking to re- reduce the risk of injury. And even more important than that, um, just the sport that you do. So we're really lucky with what we do in calisthenics. It's just, it's just us. You know, so if you're if you're training pull-ups and your shoulder starts to ache, you can just back off and come to that, come back to that when it feels a little bit better. You don't have somebody there trying to strangle you or. Um. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think the the real key one that you mentioned there for me was was and we've talked about fairly. Uh, uh, quite a lot recently is it listen to your body and that's a skill that I think you develop over time but there's so many times where you because you enjoy training so much you actually don't want to take time off so I I actually did this exact exact thing in the last week I felt like my elbow and my wrist were getting a bit grotty I wanted to train I'd just come off the back of a sort of a period where I'd had a, a deload week so I should be on it um, but just didn't feel like it was the right time and I made the conscious decision that I'm not going to do much this week and we've trained today and I feel good like it was a pain-free session of feeling feeling right but so many people I think struggle to take time off training because they feel like they need to push forward and zooming out and looking at the long game is just there's so much value in there in terms of sticking together consistent periods of training where you're fully fit fully on it mm. rather than kind of limping through six months where you're actually nursing an injury and trying not to kind of make it any worse yeah I think people one of the people know those things and I've put myself in this bracket as well. And depending on where, like depending on what your background has been. So in, I don't know if you, if you've, Oh yeah. And you know, rugby from Australia. So you, I played union and um, generally uh, most people that I played with every single game were all carrying injuries. And it wasn't a case of, Oh, that hurts a bit. Don't worry, Jacko, just have the week off. It was, <laughs> let's strap it up and see how we get on and just go until you're broken basically. And then even when you're broken, we'll still try and carry on a bit and taking, and that's a very different mindset to what, what you just um, described. And I think that um, if we ask ourselves or we ask someone that has got some pain in their shoulder when they're doing pull-ups, okay, do you think that's a great idea to do when you, and the, they, they, they know they shouldn't, but it's almost like the, what Tim yeah. said, like they want to get better at them. So they're going to keep pushing and they've, maybe their handstand was starting to get better, but their wrist is hurting a bit, but they felt really good session last time. So I want to do it. And I think it's more a case of um, how do we, how do we follow through and listen on listening to our body? And actually, like as Tim said, have the discipline, I guess is more, uh, more the case to, 
to to not to train. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. It's difficult yeah, I'm, discipline. I'm definitely one of those people as well. So if you're one yeah. of those people that gets a little bit Good. overexcited with it, when you get progress, something starts to hurt, and you just think, "Oh, if I rest now, I'm going to be, you know, two steps back, and I'm not going to get the skill. I'll just push through it; it'll be okay." And then you end up with an injury, you have to take months off, and you you actually step back. It's good just to just to acknowledge that. So we're lucky once again with with a sport like rugby. Um, I I understand this. Let's strap it up and see if we can get you through this game because it's um, obviously a huge impact if you lose a team member in a in a rugby match. Whereas with um, with calisthenics, you don't have that issue. You know, you're, there's no there's no team that's going to be affected with your training session if you if you can't perform. So that's definitely something that I've struggled with. I can attribute a long list of injuries to feeling a little um, feeling some onset of pain, thinking it will be okay, training through it because I'm really excited about this workshop that I've done or this little breakthrough I've had and then um, causing a much more severe injury than it needed to be if I had just rested a few days earlier. So um, that's something I've definitely gotten better with um, as I've gotten older um, and I'm and I'm realizing the importance of listening to my body if I want to have longevity in this in this sport um yeah but but it's great to hear that hear that from you and i'm sure a lot of people take a lot of encouragement from that i for one i'm excited that i've one i've got one thing in common yeah (laughs) one one thing i found (laughs) one thing i found really useful with that is um uh, and that's one of the reasons i enjoy training a really diverse skill set um i do some break dancing i do some flips i do some calisthenics um, both pushing and pulling exercises so if you have a diverse skill set like that or diverse goals like that, it gives you a lot more room to train areas that aren't hurting. So, you know, if, if, if my shoulders are really sore one day, rather than going straight back and doing a planche session, I can do a flip session or I can train legs that, that day until my sh- shoulders settle down. Um, you can practice, you know, balancing on the other hand. Those are, those are all sorts of things that you can do just to give that body part a rest. You don't need to completely rest. I think that's a, that's a problem that a lot of people fall into. If something hurts, I need to absolutely rest and sit on a couch or I can't do any form of activity. It's not like that. It's, it's relative rest that's important. So if you have a, a sore ankle, there's usually a lot of other, other things that you can train and you can still progress through that injury. And when your ankle, ankle recovers, you've got some um, extra strength. And that's a really good, a really good uh, opportunity to work on your weaknesses. So I think if I hadn't, hadn't have had some of the injuries I had, I wouldn't have the same skill set that I do now. So just just whilst we're talking about injuries, um, I say we me, me and Tim started um, five years ago in our calisthenics stuff off the back of uh, having played rugby, where we picked up a, a, a number of serious injuries. Tim's multiple shoulder dislocations. I broke my shoulder blade and dislocated AC. And and there's a lot of people out there that um, come into calisthenics. They might have seen, you know there'd be millions of people who have seen your videos and the like. Uh, they might not even want to be. I don't want. They might not think or want to be able to do exactly what you can do. But they might want to juice do like point one percent of that because they're going to learn to do a handstand. And they might. They, they a lot of the time they're coming with. Maybe they've done CrossFit. Maybe they've done some other spot. They've done something else and coming into it with injuries. Um, you've had you had like, as you, you described your uh, where you'd come from in terms of your gymnastics and breakdancing giving you a really good foundation but injuries that you've had along the way like what what are some of the things that you've you've had just to give us some context to that yeah so one of the reasons i stopped jujitsu was just the myriad of injuries that i had with that so um i've had a long list of injuries from just minor muscle and joint strains and um and sprains um i've fully ruptured my right adductor longus tendon so i snapped that off the bone um i've had a 
left shoulder reconstruction, which was a jiu-jitsu injury. Funnily enough, none of these have been calisthenics injuries. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, How long the, ago was the shoulder injury uh, reconstruction? That was 10 years, so that was 2009. Yeah, yeah. so I had a posterior dislocation um, during some jiu-jitsu training, rolling with a really big guy, and uh, tore my labrum. So that's what the reconstruction was, a labral repair there yeah. for those interested in anatomy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I had a right knee injury, um, which was also a jiu-jitsu injury. So once again, just another kind of freak accident, uh, tore my lateral meniscus. So I had some of that cut out. Um, yeah, right adductor longus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ruptured my right. injuries. We'll take some time to get back from. Yeah. So those are probably the three uh, most serious injuries that I've had. Uh, and on top of that, a lot of tendinopathies, uh, muscle and joint um, strains and sprains and yeah. Yeah, but I think it's important for people to know because some a lot of the times so the perception can be someone can see someone like yourself and be like, oh, look how amazing he is. I bet he doesn't have any of the problems that I have. And actually, the, the reality is that you say you probably had a lot worse injuries than a lot of other people. And um, it's that for me is encouraging for for people to hear that and know that actually like uh, you can overcome them and get yeah, back exactly. to a high level. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing that gave me a lot of distress when I had the shoulder surgery was, oh, am I going to be able to you know, hop on one hand again, am I going to be able to get back to the same level? Am I going to have the same mobility? Um, yeah. And it's, I was lucky, lucky enough that I, I did, did get That's back cool. to a similar ability. So one thing I wanted to, to talk to you about Simon was around just skill acquisition. So what you've got in your, your bank now in terms of what you can do from a, from a movement perspective is really varied and, and diverse, as we said. What's been your process over the years of learning a new skill? So if you if you look at something that you can't, can't currently do, how do you sort of approach that process of going, right, this is where I want to get to? And what's what's the thought process? And then how do you sort of implement that to move to, towards this, like, this new objective or new goal that you might have set yourself? Yeah. So like learning any skill, whether it's an instrument or balancing on your hand, um, often you'll find there's a continuum, of, a continuum of progressions from absolute beginner up until the end goal. And it's about finding where you are on that continuum and working at that level, which is challenging to you um, and gradually chipping away at progress um, and focusing on any specific weaknesses you have. So what I've found is, is if you just take that pretty simple approach, it's quite effective. Um, on top of that, if you have a more complex skill, things like um, breakdancing moves like flares and air flares, if you can break a skill down into its constituent parts, train those sub skills and then gradually link those sub skills together as you as you perfect them um, on the way to getting the, the end, end goal. And have you found anything that I've done, sort of been playing around with some new skills for, for a while back in sort of over the last sort of, say, sort of four or five years. And, um, and one of them would be my Tiger Bend push up. And I sort of, I nailed it down, got it in the locker, was feeling pretty good with it. And then I left it alone for, I think I was traveling with work at the time and, and had to, couldn't really train or as a particular period where I missed a couple of weeks and then came back to it and it felt like it had gone. Like, and I knew I could do it, but it's just the movement pattern, the skill acquisition wasn't there, things weren't firing. And then you have to invest a little bit of time to try and get back to that point. But the, the benefit is, you know, you can do it, but you just can't currently kind of link it together. And it's pretty frustrating when you're quite proud of yourself one week and the next week you feel completely useless because you can't do it have, have you got any tricks on that i mean i've we've often in sports from our strength and condition training background we'll talk about early to ripe early to rotten so if you've learned a skill like you've, you've got to do a little bit of embedding work to make sure that you're going to sort of maintain that and within the context again of the the, the diversity of what you can do 
what your, what have been your experiences of getting skills and losing them and then getting skills and maintaining them? Yeah, that's one thing that's frustrating trying to maintain a diverse skill set is you can't train. Um, it's very slow progress between uh, one or two skills or yeah, you know, a small number of skills that you can pay a lot of attention to. It's much easier to maintain than to progress. So if you just pick a couple of skills that you want to progress at, train those. Um, and then once you've got that skill, you can put them in the, in the maintenance bin and just practice those a couple of times a week or once a week to maintain them rather than... Um, having to invest that same level of effort to, to get the skill. Yeah. But that's definitely something I've found is that if you leave something alone long enough, you get sloppy at it. So um, yeah, if you don't practice your tiger bends and you come back and you can't do them. You've already trained those motor patterns. It's much quicker. It's much quicker to relearn that skill is to initially learn it. Yeah, I think that's one of the difficult things is that like, there's so much to play with in calisthenics and so much stuff you want to do that you sort of, you can often spread yourself a little bit too thinly and, um, and try and take on too much. And often we'll, we'll meet people that are beginners and they say, right, I've just started calisthenics. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go flag, muscle up, handstand and, and planche probably like, and I want to do those by the end of next week. And it's like, it's, it, we actually go to people, you can probably think about trying to learn two things at the same time. And, and often if you've got something which is more skill orientated, like a, a handstand and something which is more strength orientated, like a, a muscle up, those two things tend to sort of sit quite well together but if you're going to go and try and learn two high strength movements at the same time say someone wants to go i'm going to planche and front lever at the same time we're like well you're biting off a fair amount of work because your system may or may not be able to take that amount of intensity have you have you kind of found any balance about how you you kind of mix that situation the approach i like to take is generally um one pushing skill one pulling skill and then one one separate less strength um, orientated skills. So something like a handstand, which only requires a mild to a moderate degree of strength, um, a lot more balance and neuromuscular control. That's something you can train along with that. And when I try to pick two skills to train at the same time, I try to um, try to pick skills that use antagonist muscle groups. So if you're trying to get a 90 degree push up and you're trying to get a planche at the same time, training those two skills will help each other. But I've found it's very difficult to train those two skills um, contemporaneously because you're using the same muscle groups you can't give them a a very long time to recover and it's really going to slow your progress when you could really be focusing on just one of those skills exercises related to one of those skills when you get to a level that you that you want to be at um, then you can switch up your training periodize your training to focus on the different skill so what i like to do so for example if you want to get something like planche and front lever i think those are fine to train at the same time um, because you're using antagonist muscle groups. So you might do your planche training on a Monday, do your front lever training on a Tuesday and do your um, leg training on a Wednesday and repeat that process. That way you're giving muscle groups 48 hours to, to recover. Um, it mitigates your risk of an overuse injury um, and you're kind of still making the best, the best use of your time. Whereas if you try and put, throw too many things in that basket, you're just going to, your progress is going to be so slow and it can be really disheartening. Um, you can lose motivation. What I found difficult with training those two skills together, or movements together, front lever and planche, is the straight arm strength. And it just like, I feel like a lot of time in those in that straight arm position, for me, having not had a, a great background in terms of doing straight arm strength, so there's never something which was even on the menu from, a, from a, um, a normal strength and conditioning type program. We don't even think about it. And then all of a sudden you enter calisthenics with gymnastics type movements and you need to be strong in the straight arm position. I just found like I got overload and I just, I couldn't, I was starting to break down a little bit. Um, so I've, I've had to sort of like separate those two things out, which is 
kind of frustrating because I do think they go, go well together but I personally just can't handle that, that kind of intensity and volume I don't think yeah yeah that's fine and, and that's one thing that I um, that's one thing that can be really frustrating when you're looking for an answer but when you're giving the answer it's super important is when people say how many times a week should I train this how what what intensity should what intensity should I train at what's the best exercise for this that answer is highly individual and the volume that a beginner can take um, which might be really effective um, <laughs> might not even be effective enough to maintain a skill set for a, a really advanced person with a high training age. So um, yeah, it's really about finding what works to you. There are a few core principles you can utilize, but it's um, a training program should be highly individualized. Yeah. yeah. We need to find, we need to find what works for, for ourselves. I mean, some of that is only going to come from trying and testing things out. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, we had we did have, we had a quite a few questions on Instagram um, for you around that type of thing, like how long will it take me to learn X and yeah, how yeah. much time do I train and, and that yeah, type of thing. Yeah, yeah. You've answered, you've answered, yeah. you've answered, I've answered that one to death. It's, it, it depends yeah. how long's a piece of string. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but something, another question related to that and along the the training um, theme that we're on now um, is what does what does your training what does a training week look like for Simon Monster? And I wanted to sort of throw into that. Um, what things are you, when you're trying to look at, um, like what are you trying to do next and how do you choose what your next thing is and what actually inspires you? Like, why aren't you, why don't you just go, right, I can do all this cool stuff. Like I'm happy. Uh, what, what still drives you to try and do something else? And when you were talking about the difference between gymnastics and breakdancing, it made me think that the, the rigidity of gymnastics pushed you away from that. And in, in um, breakdancing, I'm assuming you're almost encouraged to do new crazy stuff um, as opposed to stick in, in, in a box. Yeah. Um, so what, yeah. So what, what's, what drives you to do the, the next thing? What things can't you do that you try and do? Um, and what does that training week look like for you? Yeah, honestly, that's, um, that the training week will change depending on what time of year you, you get me. Um, right now I'm focusing on a lot of, um, it's, it's really just strength. So really just a strength block at the moment. Um, and I'm just doing a push pull split. So Monday I'm training things like planche and handstand pushups. Um, Tuesday I'm training things like, uh, front lever and pull-ups and, and Wednesday legs and repeating that process. Um, at the moment there's, there's a couple of skills that I'm working on mostly, hand balancing, but, um, I don't really have any, any strict goals right now, but yeah, what, yeah, I just, honestly, there's, I just enjoy doing it. That's what, what keeps me going. There's no real yeah. other motive to that. Yeah. What's oh, really cool, cool about that will ring true for a lot of people is we, we often talk about when people ask us questions, go, why can't I do this thing? I'm working towards this movement. Why can't I do it? And we just go, the reality is you're just not strong enough. And so much more, time within your training week for a lot of people needs to be dedicated towards just getting stronger because the se the sexy stuff is the skill acquisition learning new new things like that it can get very addictive but ultimately for the progression for a lot of stuff to go to those high level skills has got to be yeah, based on getting that, strong that's um that's another misconception that's pretty prevalent now with um with instagram is you'll see people doing crazy things and a lot of the things that get views are um are pretty out of the box and you know you'll see things like freestyle push-ups or someone doing l sit to handstand to a kip up to a backflip and then running and pushing a sled and then doing <laughs> doing a battle couple ropes, of muscle ups ropes. <laughs> yeah yeah the battle ropes exactly and and i'm just thinking this method of training is not effective you know mm -hmm. this is this method of training is is not good for building strength this is not gonna um 
this is not going to get you a plant. I don't think these guys actually train like that. Um, it's, it's, it's a showcase. Good. It's exactly. a showcase of what exactly. you can do. To, and, it, and like you say, it's going to generate. Uh, exactly. I'm sure it's, you'll it's, get a lot more yeah. likes on that video than you will just you doing pull-ups. five subscribers on pull-ups. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly, yeah. It's it's a performance rather than training method. But, but that's a misconception yeah. a lot of people have because you see someone in a gym, um, a gym doing this, and you think, wow, that's a, a really cool way to train but you'd probably get a much better result if you trained your explosive strength and practiced that movement repetitively, stressed those muscles um, <laughs> and got some local fatigue there than just doing one rep of this, yeah. one rep of that. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it's great to hear that you sort of um, – just the honesty of what are you saying, like what you actually – you know, it, people we, we need to be portraying – and we're quite passionate about this. We need to be portraying what's, what's real and what's – Yeah, um, we need to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it's not necessarily saying that someone else isn't being honest. I'm just, it's just sort of, just to pull out the fact that like, some monster does pull-ups on Mondays, like the same as Jimmy in wherever. And I don't, I don't think these people um, that post, I don't think there's anything wrong with posting things like that. And I I don't think any of them are saying, this is how I train. Mm. Um, It's just, it's just a misconception that's, that's easy to, um, easy to have yeah, yeah. yes but I know, yeah, yeah i i think the the most effective training methods um aren't the sexiest ones <laughs> you yeah, know 100%. yeah do you use a lot of weighted work in your program simon in terms of if when you're doing pull-ups obviously you've got a level of strength now in your handstand push-ups do you how do you continue to progressively overload those do you do you use sort of additional weighted sets or do you work through greater ranges of movement like for your handstand push-ups do you work through deficits and that sort of stuff or i'm just interested with what your techniques are as you get to that level of how you then start to create more overload so that you can develop more strength yeah, I've utilized all those things. So yeah. things like handstand push-ups start on the floor when I um, when I could do a lot of reps and I wasn't really getting fatigued with floor handstand push-ups, doing 15 reps or so, increased the range of movement and that yeah. you know drastically reduced the, <laughs> the volume that I could do in a set. So that went from uh, even now, if I can do 20 handstand push-ups on the floor and I raise myself a foot on parallettes, that falls to eight <laughs> with yeah, good form. Yeah, um, yeah but I, I do weighted weighted exercises so wear a weight vest for handstand push-ups wear a pull-up belt for um for pull-ups i find that's a really good way to to increase the intensity um but i also use other other methods like um favoring one arm so yeah things like negatives on one arm or staggering rings for pull-ups yeah a little bit more a little bit more difficult for things like handstand push-ups yeah 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 um, yeah. One of the questions we wanted to ask you, we get quite a few people asking us about plunge progressions and where we're starting out from and, and how to get going with it. And it's something, obviously, it's a skill which you've mastered beautifully. And I have a, I have a reasonable straddle plunge, yeah. um, but I don't feel like, well, I've, I've sort of played around with starting to progress that that towards a, a full plunge, but um, I don't know if you have the same experience, but the rewards are, it's a lonely road on that, that plunge journey. It doesn't give exactly. you a lot back. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's, very fruitless. That's, that, that goes back to that... Um, the concept of not spreading yourself too thin. So planche can be pretty disheartening. It does take a, a really long time to learn. Mm. Um, you know, often it takes years to perfect that skill when you're training that in isolation and you're dedicating a hundred percent of your time and energy resources to learning <laughs> the planche. Um, so yeah, I think one thing to respect with skills like the planche with one arm handstand um, human flag is that it, the progress is slow. Um, mm. So set yourself little milestones um, and um, be happy with small victories along the way. Yeah, yeah things like yeah, rather than rather than thinking um, 
all right, right now I can do a tuck planche. The goal's a full planche. I can't wait until I can do a 10 second full planche. If you can, <laughs> if you can tick off little milestones, like I, I want to be able to do a few tuck planche push-ups. I want to be able to hold a, a, an advanced tuck planche for five seconds, straddle planche for two seconds. Those sorts of things are, are a really good way to keep yourself motivated and track progress. Yeah. yeah but, got, sorry. Got people from the community feeding back in that, that that is one of the things they love about calisthenics that they might've done weight training in the before that didn't give them that same feeling of reward of before you get to the end goal. Like, so before you can hold your handstand, it might be that you can hold it against a wall or it might be that you can hold a frog stand or just some, some lower level progression, but you can re- still remember when you weren't able to do that lower pro- regression and, you, and, it, and it feels great to do something that you, you, you hadn't been able to do before. And, and, that's that's one of the benefits that I think of, of body weight training that's different to the outcome is not a number you know compared to I want to be able to bench press 100 kilos well the day you do that you'll be you'll feel good about it but it's just a number as opposed to like something you've physically done with your body yeah and you can often notice um, improvements in the quality if you're training a lot better with calisthenics um, you know it's it's a lot of people um, there's a lot less of a skill demand with a bench press than with a handstand push-up um, and there's a lot fewer segments that you need to control. So, you know, generally if someone has a good technique on a bench press, um, they're kind of at the ceiling with their, their bench press technique. There's not too many tips that you can give somebody. Whereas with a handstand, even if you can, can't do any more handstand push-ups, if you film it and you've been training it for, for some time, you can often see a big improvement in your form. You might arch your back a little bit less, um, things like that. Yeah. yeah, I seen um, just on the I seen a, a nice post from Alex um, Nino, if I'm pronouncing his name right. About he had um, he just showed a client of his doing um, he was doing a pull up down to a tuck front lever back to a pull up, um, and it, and it, the, the comments he made was that. Um, this is a great this is a great exercise for for building pulling strength in the back. Um, the the gut the. the we don't have to try to always do the end goal. So his client might never do a front lever, a full front lever, and he actually might not ever even want to. But this is still one of the regressions that he can do. It's still a great form of training for for his grip strength, for his hanging, for for his shoulder, for his back. For um, and I just think that's a really nice point. That actually, like sometimes a lot of us or. Uh, uh, get too fixated on the end goal rather than necessarily the process as part of that. And actually halfway down that process might be just what's really, really good, happy place for you. And there's, and there's, we can still even just, you know, celebrate those little wins along the way as you, as exactly, you say. Yeah. I, I think that's a really important thing is celebrating those little victories because to do these skills, it takes um, a lot of consistent practice and a lot of discipline. Um, it's, it's really hard to stay motivated to train a particular skill for two years so um, anything that you can do to help me stay motivated over that period is, is going to help. And I think even more important than that is when you do um, fall into these patches of, of low motivation is just being disciplined and continuing to train, train through that. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, that's what's going to make the difference between achieving the skill and, and not. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Definitely great advice. Because, um, like you say, some of the some some of the some of the higher difficult stuff takes a long time, and you need to stay motivated. is is really important part of that. Yeah, or even, got, even rather than staying motivated, you just need to stay consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, 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 no right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if you the more motivated you are, the more likely yeah, you are yeah, probably yeah. to be exactly. Yeah. Isn't it? That's yeah. plans training in a nutshell. Not always motivated, but at least try and stay consistent. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and obviously I, motivation. I, it helps. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, right, I've got one. I don't know if Tim, I've got one last question myself, which is going to be a little bit of a curveball actually, um, and it's around this. Um, you can do some amazing things with your body, um, and I've seen uh, quite a few of your videos and, and posts um, with shirts off. Is the sort of classic. Uh, you probably in your performances uh, that you're doing in Vegas is is probably shirts off. Um, I imagine and that sort of thing. And um, you've got a great physique, so I'll give it a thanks. Nice. <laughs> uh, do you? do you um bit of bit of bro love going on but do you is that important like how you look is that important to you um or are you more interested in what you can do with your body or that or you know have you ever struggled with that type of thing of um you know what how how we actually what how our bodies look in yeah. terms of training yeah. for uh, aesthetics yeah look to be totally honest how how i look is is somewhat important to me um i think we all do have a certain level of, of self-consciousness but um my main goal is has always been around skills and that's why I've, i train what i train rather than a bodybuilding approach um you i think you still can definitely use calisthenics methods to um to optimize your physique um you know, doing high volume training for hypertrophy and how you look does play a slight role in, in your performance. You know, obviously if you, you have more hypertrophy, that increases your potential for strength. If you have better body composition, um, a, a lower body fat percentage that will make your calisthenic skills easier. But I think, um, I, I don't focus on physique. I tend to focus more on, on skills. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's yeah. cool to hear. Like I, we, I, we think, uh, uh, sorry, on, you, on, on that note, you go. I, I definitely do um, a little bit of training for um, purely for aesthetics. Um, and I think the main thing there is leg training. So if it was up to me, I wouldn't train legs very often. I don't need, um, I don't need too much strength in, in my legs for the things that I do. I do a, a couple of flips and that's more of a neuromuscular control um, and coordination thing than it is a, a strength thing. Um, but that's something that I train so I don't look um, too out of proportion and I don't get too many comments about, oh, this guy skips leg day. They still cut deep, right? <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll still get them, I swear, until my legs look like Ronnie Collins. It's, 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 no, no, it's, it's good to it, it's, it's hear nicely and we're, it's something that we've always tried to um, push positively is that from a mental health perspective, like worrying less about how we actually look and, and encouraging people to have goals that are more based on what can you do with your body it is, I, yeah. is better for I, us I definitely agree health, I it? think it, one it's great for mental health um, two it keeps your training really fun but I think on that note we should still be honest that people do care about the way they look yes, <laughs> um, of course, yeah. to, some, to some degree and basically if you're doing any form of, of training it is going to improve your physique yeah yeah. Um, great. Well, that means I'll probably get the last question. Yeah, there you go. I had was... one which was really boring. Have you gone for quite a nice philosophical oh, question? A boring one. Well, I wanted to talk about um, you, you had a sort of post <laughs> that you put recently again around the difference between using isometrics and dynamics. And a lot of people were talking about obviously using dynamic movements to, to get sort of static skills or isometric holds, lever holds. And um, and just your interest in on, on take on that, but it feels like a bit of an anticlimax now. It's just boring old Tim with a sports science wants to talk about isometric holds and how long it <laughs> just, Yeah, yeah. But just no, just Drop some knowledge because I think <laughs> I think people will benefit from yeah, from understanding definitely. a bit of clarity on on that because there's some of these more complex moves, our static holds. It's very easy to go and get lost in different training methods, and there are lots and lots of different progressions that you can use. But I think the principles of how you get there are the real key, and you can use whatever tools you want then to be able to achieve that same outcome if you know a little bit of what those governing principles actually are. Definitely, yeah. Um, so if, if anyone missed that post, that was about. Um, 
about dynamic training for static holds. So I've seen a lot of things recently about you don't need to train statics. You can, you can get statics for free if you train dynamic strength, which is true, but you'll get statics better if you train static strength. So the better, the better that your training um, mimics the desired goal, the, the better the outcome is going to be, as you both know from training arms and, and vice versa. And when you narrow the scope a little bit more, um, the more specific your training is to the way it's tested, the better the, the improvements will show. So if you're training static strength and you're testing in a static strength way, that, that will show the best result. Whereas if you're training um, dynamic strength and you're testing or, or vice versa, if you're training static strength but you're testing dynamically, it's not going to show as good a result as if you're training dynamically. So I think your training methods should be specific to your goals. And although a front lever is not just um, in the world of front lever, there is not just a static horizontal front lever. There's a continuum of um, of postures there. You can do a, a vertical hang and you can lift all the way to an inverted hang and you can strengthen that entire range of movement. And if you just strengthen your horizontal front lever, you don't necessarily get that other range for free. Um, so I think it's important to train all aspects, especially if that's part of your goals, is to be able to lift to and from positions. But if your primary goal is holding a static horizontal front lever, then your primary training should mimic that and yeah. it should <laughs> and it should be primarily static training. Yeah. yeah. So it comes back to right at the start when you decide, we, we touched a little bit on, on targeting skills and setting objectives and, and the value and enjoyment of doing that, but also asking yourself at the, at the start of that journey, go, what do I want to do with this movement? What's important for me? So when we started training handstands, for me, I wanted to do handstand push-ups. Um, and my training probably reflected that in the way that I went about learning yeah. a handstand. It was more of a strength-based approach than a straight-arm balance approach. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's a really good point of going, do you just want to do a front lever? Because if you do, then just train the, the statics. But if you actually want to be able to have some control... Yeah, and if you want to be able to do front lever pull-ups, then you need to integrate some bent-arm strength into your, into your training as well. But that, I think that comes back to that main principle of training. There's <laughs> Look, there's no, um, there's no incredible secrets. It's basically train hard um and focus on what <laughs> what you want to achieve yeah, yeah and you said yeah, right at the beginning about having rationale for the, the the exercises and the things that you're doing so if you've got reason and rationale to them then it and as long as it falls in with that said principle specific adaptation exactly. to impose demands then yeah. then you're going to be you're going to be in if you're you know it's no different to go if you want big arms and you're training legs well you're not going to big arms like exactly yeah. Oh, that's a stupid yeah, example but, but it just highlights it people lose that mindfulness when you narrow the scope as, as I said, so that is just a um, one application of that said principle, specific adaptation to impose demand. If um, if you want isometric strength, <laughs> train specifically for isometric strength. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, what's been so? We'll wrap this up now. Yeah. And, um, I think what's been amazing for us, and I think for everybody that's listening, is seeing someone of your ability. And I've just I've sort of gone through a couple of notes as, as things that we've talked about, and and the messaging that you've given out, and in a nutshell, is that. The, you've mentioned a couple of times that the best approach is to keep it simple so the simplicity in a training approach in a world where it's very easy to get distracted with complexities to nail the simple the simple things to train basics and how important strength is in that to, to pick clear goals and stick to that and then as you just said at the end there just specific adaptation you're going to get what you train for so just think about what you want what are your goals and objectives and, and structure an individualized training program around that and i think those things are the real essential basics of what we do in strength and conditioning, but it's so easy to get pulled away from those by people. So I think a reminder from, from some mm. of your skill set that even at your level, 
these are the same practices that have taken you there and that are also the things that you implement day to day now to stay at that level is just massively valuable for people so thanks so much for, for giving us your time and your knowledge mate because I think that there'll be so much for, for encouragement that people are going to take out of it actually from, from seeing as I said the skills that you can do and actually for, for mere mortals like the rest of us there's hope if we just know these simple things <laughs> <laughs> thanks I'll just, can I just plant a flag there very quickly if you want to include this um, yeah. one, one little um one little tip that I think is very important, especially for beginners um, and for intermediate um, athletes is when people talk about mastering the basics, I totally agree. I think that's very important. But with that, I don't think people need, I think people need to remember the, um, the principle of progressive overload. So I think people often, um, you know, there's a lot of stress about master the basics, master the basics, master the basics. But if the basics are easy for you, uh, you probably don't need to spend much time. <laughs> They're mastered. So once you've mastered them, progress. Your training still needs to be challenging. Yeah, I think you probably yeah. get similar questions sometimes we get. Like, hey, Tim, Jacko, I can do 10 pull-ups and I want to be able to do 20. What do I need to do? And my f- I'll respond going, why do you want to do 20? Like, what is it? What's the, what's the reason? Why, why is, why, I know 20 is more than 10, but what are you trying to do? And they go, I'm trying to do a muscle-up. And I go, well, it, it, you might be better off doing some weighted pull-ups to build up that. So, you know, that that whole, is, it's good, just good for you to be yeah, to get back is maybe you should do five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but heavy. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, for the one person that doesn't, hasn't followed you yet on Instagram or, or has visited your website, how, where do, can people find out um, a little bit more about you, Simon, and what, what you're up to? Yeah, so my website is simonsterstrength.com um, and my Instagram's the same, the same handle, simonsterstrength, so you can see me there. Awesome, make sure you check him out if you haven't yet. So that is it, Simonster. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. As, as I said before, so much information there, and um, I think encouragement for for everybody, including me and Jacko, to go on and keep pursuing our our, our progression towards higher level skills, and knowing that the process that we're going through is the same as, as what someone with your skill and ability has done as well. So thank you so much, and that leaves us nothing else to say other than until next week. Class dismissed.